Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. This Sunday, we continued our Lent series, The Greater Reward. Pastor Kenny taught from Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, which remind us that God chooses to use ordinary people like us to do His extraordinary work on earth. Hey, if I was to ask you this question, let's imagine that this was a class that you guys signed up for at our church, and you guys just showed up, and you're ready to kind of learn and go through a process, a class-type process, and... To, as we start off, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, and your assignment is going to be to bring this back next week, and I need you guys to write a paragraph, a paragraph explaining what is the purpose of your life. You don't really have to do that, but, but if you were going to write a, a paragraph, what is the purpose of your life, well, how would you, I mean, some of you guys would want it to be three pages, some of you guys would not know where to begin, maybe, but, but what would you do? And the reason why I ask this question is because today we're going to start off looking at how Jesus would answer that question, and then how he goes about living it out. And so if you guys have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to see how Jesus would, did answer the question, what is the purpose of your life? And then we're going to see how he starts to carry that out, and we're going to see how that is relevant to us. And so, in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 18, now what happens is, um, Luke gives the, 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 the story in Luke 1, 2, 3, and 4, Jesus is born, before that, John the Baptist is born, you guys heard of John the Baptist, he's the forerunner, and then Jesus is born, and we kind of have a little bit about his birth, and then all of a sudden we jump into Jesus' life. He's now 30 years old. He's going to begin his public ministry. He gets baptized by John the Baptist. He gets led into the wilderness, and he's tempted by Satan, Satan, right? Four different times. He hasn't eaten for 40 days, Luke says, and then he adds this, and he was hungry. As if you really have to add that, right? But, but the idea is he wants us to know that this isn't this isn't just experiences of God on earth. This is the God-man. He's fully human. He, was, he hadn't eaten in 40 days and he was hungry, just like any of us would have been. And he's experiencing these temptations just like any of us would have experienced. And then, and then he, he, he shows up back in his hometown. He goes into, he goes into the sanctuary kind of like this, the synagogue. And they hand him, they hand him a, a, a scroll. It happens to be from the, the book of Isaiah. And he goes all the way to the end. It's 66 chapters, the way that we break it up. So it's a long book. He goes all the way towards the end. And he, and he says, he reads this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. So here's Jesus. He, he comes into his hometown church, and they hand him this book. He turns to this exact passage, and he reads it. And it says he's going to proclaim the gospel. He came to proclaim the gospel and to set people free. To set people free. To set the captives and the prisoners free. And then he rolls it up, drops the mic sits down, and everybody's like, whoa, 
right? That's the whole story, Jesus's purpose. And then we start to see him carry out this purpose. And that's what I want to hone on today. We're actually going to be in Isaiah chapter 6, but I think this is important to the context that we see that Jesus knows why he came. He has a, a purpose. He has a mission. He has something to do. But it's how he goes about it that's relevant to us. How Jesus goes about fulfilling this mission is incredibly important to us. So he begins his ministry around the Sea of Galilee, and he is, he is attracting large crowds, and he's very popular at the beginning of his ministry. As a three-year ministry, he's very popular. And we see this in Luke chapter 4 also. Right before this, this, this he walks into his own uh, synagogue and reads this purpose statement, In verses 14 and 15, he says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee. This is after he was tempted in the wilderness. He returned to Galilee, his home area, his home region, in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. And he was teaching in their synagogues and being praised by everyone. So you get the idea in the beginning of his ministry. Everybody's excited about the fact that of what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is doing for the most part. He's popular. He's not hated at this time. And here's the deal. All these Jewish people, they are hungry for a Messiah. They're hungry for a Savior. But they believe that through through their history, they've they've had some hardship. They they had their own monarchy for about 400 years, right? They had their own kingdoms for about 400 years. And then they went into exile in Assyria and Babylon. And they were there for 70 years. And then they were released from captivity, and they went back and they rebuilt the temple. You see that in uh, Nehemiah and Ezra. And there's prophets trying to prophesy them. During that time, they realized, man, we had really not obeyed God during that season of the kingdom. And that's why we went into exile. And so now they, they, they started to create these formulas. All we need to do is to be obedient to the rules a lot better than we used to be. And then, and then we'll have find blessings. And also, there's these prophets saying there's a Messiah that's going to come, and he's going to bring us back to freedom. He's going to bring us back our freedom. And they thought that that meant he was going to conquer Rome, who was overseeing them at that time, and give them back their earthly kingdom. And that's what they want. And not only that, they had all these tribes, right? They had the Pharisees, and they had all of these different groups of of, of religious uh, Jewish groups Right? And they all had their own kind of beliefs of how you're supposed to live, the rules that you're supposed to follow. And all of them, for the most part, believe that when the Messiah comes, he's going to join our tribe and he's going to lead our tribe to freedom from Rome. So you have all these people going, he, when, when the Messiah comes, he's going he's to join our group, he's going to lead us to freedom. Now Jesus comes into the synagogue and he goes, I came to set the captives free. They're like, that's what we've been waiting for. All the, all the, all the people groups, the Pharisees and, and, and the Sadducees, they come out to kind of experience Jesus, invite him over to their house, invite him into their tribe. And what do they experience? He, he's, he's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, aka he's not doing what we believe the Messiah is going to do. We believe the Messiah is going to come and become a Pharisee. And then lead the Pharisees to freedom, right? Or the Sadducees. And he's not doing that at all. He's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And they're, they're just bewildered by this, right? 
And then Jesus is coming and he's, his, 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 these, these, these disciples that he's hanging out with, they're not following the rules. They're not fasting and praying like Jesus believe, like they believe that they, sh- they should. And so we looked at that a, lot, a couple weeks ago, right? And Jesus is like, your guys' fast is all about outward appearance. The true reason why you would fast would be to have a greater hunger for God and, to, and experience a greater reward. And then Brittany did a great job last week. He's healing people on the Sabbath. And they had forgotten what the Sabbath was all about. Sabbath was about a time of rest and rejuvenation and, and, and drawing closer to God. But they had made it about these rules and, and all this stress about, you know, making sure you don't break these rules. And it had just lost its meaning. And then we're in now today and we're in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 16. It says, and during those days, this is the, the early part of his ministry, when all of these things are happening. People were trying to figure him out. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. And when daylight came, he summoned his disciples. He had a bunch of people following him. Most people believe there was hundreds and hundreds of people following Jesus at this point. He summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter. And Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And after coming down with them from the mountain, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And, and those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. And now this sounds pretty simple and straightforward, but what can we learn from this, right? So Jesus has showed up in this region called Galilee, and he's doing miracles, he's attracting crowds. By the end of this, people are coming from Judea and Jerusalem. This is a way bigger area. And from the sea coast, right, the Mediterranean Sea goes all the way down. You see Israel, and then you down all the way into Egypt. And people are coming from all over the place now to see Jesus by this time. And he, 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 he has a decision to make. I need to pick 12 guys that I'm going to spend the next three years focused on training for a greater mission, Right? And he goes up to the mountain and he prays. And then he names all of these, these 12 disciples. And then, he, and then he gets after it. And it says they came down the mountain and they got after it. They started doing it. Right? What can we learn from this? How is this relevant to us? Go. Just kidding. We'll, I'll, I'll, I'll walk through it with you. What I, wanna, I want you to see is there's going to be at least three things Three things that we're going to learn about the way that Jesus goes about his ministry. First of all, he knows what his ministry is. He knows his purpose. He's not here to be, be popular, is he? He's not here to fit into everyone else's box, is he? He's not here to do what you want him to do. He's here to do what God wants him to do, what God sent him to do. And then how is he going to go about it? Now, here's the thing. Jesus is fully man. We see that. He's, he's also fully God, a.k.a. he's fully capable. Do you think he needs 12 guys to help him? Do you think he's going to be more efficient with these 12 guys? And he names them. And just to give you an idea, I mean, Peter and Andrew were stinky fishermen. 
James and John were stuck-up fishermen. Their dad had a bunch of big boats, right, and probably cheated to get them into USC. That was like, that was like, that was like, that was them. And then you got, you got him calling Levi, who's Matthew, who's a tax collector. Everyone hates him. He's a traitor. He's working for the Roman government and stealing from his own people legally. How do you think they feel about him? And then it says, he also calls Simon the Zealot. I don't know if you guys know what this means, but let me just explain this to you. The Zealots were this group amongst the groups of Pharisees who believed that they were right, and they were, the, they were, they were like the MMA guys, right? They had infliction t-shirts, they all drove big trucks, right? And they parked on their lawn, and if you, if you looked at them weird, they would like, they, they, were, they would come after you, right? They were the zealots. They were take-action type guys. So, and they hated the tax collectors because they were traitors. Now Jesus is going to invite into his conference room Simon the zealot who hates Matthew, and they probably sit next to each other, right? What are you doing, Jesus? This makes no sense. You are not more efficient this way, are you? And yet this is what we see Jesus doing Jesus doesn't do things the way that we think he should do things, but there's a greater purpose behind it, and that's what we need to capture this morning. And so what, what we see in Jesus' ministry first, the first thing we can learn for Jesus' ministry, if you, now if you know what God wants you to do in your life, then the number one in your notes is this. He teaches us to pray humbly, then act confidently. We pray humbly, then we act confidently. Jesus doesn't just go off and do it, although he could, he was God. He models for us, pray first, pray first, then act confidently. Now, that could, you could, a lot could go wrong in that, right? Some of us, we're act confidently type people. We're just like doers, that's me. Like, I just, I, I act first and then think later, right? I just want to go and do it. I want to confidently do it. And some of us, we're like a little more timid. We're like, pray first, pray second, pray third, and maybe if it's not too scary, do something, right? No, he's like, pray first, then act confidently, act boldly. And Jesus has a big decision to make. And how does he go about it? He spends all night praying to his father. Now, in the scriptures, you have to know this because Luke is intentionally giving us some details here that we can learn from. It says, where did he go to pray? He went up to the mountain. In the scriptures, a mountain, all throughout the Old Testament, it always is a place where you draw near to God. Matter of fact, when Noah got done with his flood, where did he end up? On the top of a mountain. And there he had a uh, he made a, God made a covenant with him on the top of the mountain. Abraham, after God made a covenant with him, where did he need to go with Isaac to sacrifice him to solidify this covenant? Oh, up on a mountain. When Moses led the people through, through out of Egypt, right? Where did he go to get the, four, the, to get the Ten Commandments? Oh, up on a mountain. And later, when Elijah needed to meet with God under special circumstances, he literally went up to the same mountain where Moses went up, and he met with God. And then Jesus, when he's transfigured, and Moses and Elijah are both there again, guess where they're at? 
Oh, they're on that mountain, right? And there's just the symbolism that mountaintops are, are what you do when you're trying to meet with God. So it says Jesus intentionally goes up to this mountaintop because he wants to meet with God. He needs to, he needs to, he needs to meet with God. Someone told me this. I asked him, uh, teach me how to, how to preach. Way, way back when I was, I was first learning. I'm still learning. But I asked him, what's the number one thing I need to know if, if, if I'm going to be faithful to do what I believe God's called me to do to preach? And, and he said, this is what I learned and this is what I can pass along. Before you preach, pray yourself on fire. Pray yourself on fire. Spend time with God. Spend time in the Word and preparing, but don't, don't miss this important step. Pray yourself on fire. It's like almost like Jesus is praying himself on fire before he does this, right? He goes up on top of the mountain intentionally to meet with God. And if you have your paper Bible, I want you to circle, underline, or highlight so you never forget this. Circle, underline, or highlight where it says mountain to pray and write in your margins a place to seek God. And as you're doing that, I would ask you this. Do you have a place? Do you have a place or a system in place for when you need to meet with God? Do you have a place or do you have a system in place for when you need to meet with God? And I'll give you a little context as a church. A lot of the things that we do at this church is to provide space like that for us, right? When we come to church on Sundays, you're, you're at a mountaintop right now. This is an intentional time where we want to meet with God. We have community groups that meet midweek. I mean, with all of the things that we have going on in our lives, we take some time and we intentionally go there because we want to meet with God's people and because we want to meet with God. Tomorrow night at our headquarters from 6.30 to 8, we're going to have our third Monday prayer. Every third Monday of the month, we set aside a time to pray. Now, Jesus, just put it in the context, Jesus spent all night in prayer. How many of you guys are going to show up for an hour and a half? <laughs> because you want to intentionally meet with God. When you go to a men's retreat or a women's retreat, we call those mountaintop experiences. Why? Because we go there to intentionally meet with God. And I've had men go, like, after they've been to three or four, like, I don't want to go to the men's retreat. I go every year and I have this mountaintop experience and then I come back home and I go back through the valleys. That's how life works. That's not a mistake. It doesn't mean you need to get up on the mountain again, over and over again. And Jesus isn't afraid, afraid to get out of his comfort zone in prayer, is he? Do you think it's a comfortable? I mean, what does it say? You circle, underline, or highlight in your Bible all night in prayer, and then right in your margins, out of your comfort zone. And let me ask us this. What in your life is inconvenient, but you do it anyways because you really want to grow in your faith? Right? Because Jesus is modeling an intentional seeking out God and getting out of his comfort zone. He's not just like praying in the comfort of, he doesn't go like, Jesus went and found a Starbucks that had the right coffee that he wanted, and then he took it home and sat in his big chair with his feet up, and he fell asleep while he was praying all night. It doesn't say that, does it? No, he, he was willing to get out of his, 
his, his comfort zone. And what are, you, what are we doing? I just have a couple of things, like, like a daily Bible reading. Is it convenient to stop what you're doing and to spend some time in God's word? Maybe not. And here's the thing, especially to the dudes. Guys, most of us don't like to read. I don't know if you knew that. Like most guys don't like to read. That's why pastors, most pastors, like I love to read. And like we're the worst person to lead a men's ministry as a pastor because we're like chicks, right? Most pastors <laughs> like to read and they like to talk about their feelings. And that's weird, right? But here's the thing. Here's why I like to read. I didn't always like to read. I don't like to dig. Any of you guys like to grab a shovel and dig holes? But I believe... Oh, Brian raised his hand. Don't look at Brian. <laughs> he should lead the men's ministry. <laughs> but here's the thing. I do not like to dig, but I believe that within the scriptures, there is treasure. And I don't like to dig, but if you told me that underneath a bunch of dirt was a treasure, and then you were somehow able to take an x-ray of it and show me, well, then I would be a digging fool because I don't like to dig, but I love treasure. But how many of us are getting into God's word, whether we like to read or not, because we know that it's, there's treasure found in it, and we're treasure hunters. What about serving in a church ministry? Is that convenient? It's not convenient, but we do it anyways because we want to grow in our faith. What about giving financially, right? We, we, when we give financially, we, none of us probably have a tremendous amount of money just sitting around with nothing better to do. But when we give financially, there's some sacrifice, and we're saying, I believe in this ministry, I believe in God's ministry, I believe in this mission, and we, and we faithfully give, and it's inconvenient, but we do it, and it helps us grow in our faith. And we could say, investing in godly relationships. We like to say, invest in godly relationships before you need them. Right? And some of you guys are good at relationships, and some of you guys like to just kind of roll on your own, and, and you like to be alone. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right? But here's the thing. Are you investing in relationships intentionally because you want to grow in your faith? Are you reaching up to people who have gone a little further along from you and being discipled and mentored by somebody? Are you turning back and, and mentoring the next generation, the next, the next group. I mean, you've been a Christian for two years. Find someone who's been a Christian for two weeks. You've got a lot to teach. You're probably better at teaching them what you, what, what, than somebody who's been a Christian for 20 years, right? You've, you've, you were just there, right? Are you investing in godly relationships? Not because it's convenient, but because you want to grow in your faith. And this is not a question. This is not a question so much about what are you willing to do. It's not the point. This isn't about what you are willing to do to earn God's favor and, and, and to earn God's blessing, because that's not how it works. It's not about what you're willing to do. The question is about why you are willing to do it. The question is about why you're willing to do it, because you have this burning desire, I want to know this Jesus. I want to be closer to this Jesus. If he's on the mountain, I want to be on the mountain. If he's in the valley right now, I want to be in the valley. I just want to be close to Jesus. And so this series that we're doing is called The Greater Reward. 
And it's, it's the, the whole point is this. is for us to realize Jesus is so much better than anything. And then realizing, like, these things no longer look foolish that we're doing anymore because they're not pointless. The point is to draw near to Jesus. Jesus does not need us in order to accomplish his missions. But Jesus invites us to join him in his mission because of the fellowship and the growth and the relationship that happens in the middle of it. Not about accomplishing the mission. He could have done it more efficiently on his own. Anyone want to argue that Jesus couldn't have accomplished his mission of setting the captives free more effectively somehow as God than if he involved us who are unfaithful, flaky, right? Not skilled. Any of you guys so skilled that you're like, man, Jesus is a lot better with me on his team. (laughs) It's not the point. The point is that he wanted, he wanted us to be along with him in his mission because he loves us and he wants to partner with us. And so Jesus has a big decision to make and he spends all night in prayer. And what is the big decision? He's going to pick 12 from this larger group. He's going to pick 12, and they're going to have a unique role in history. They're going to be eyewitnesses of everything that Jesus is doing. He's going to spend most of his time during this three years. He's going to spend with them, training them, doing ministry with them. And then he's going to send them off with the others, and they're going to be, have a key role in starting the church. And that's what we see in the book of Acts, Right? So Jesus is going to, he's going to pick these 12 who are going to be devoted in their life to a service for God. And then number two in your notes, we see this, that Jesus models a do ministry in the context of community style. So Jesus prays all night, he picks these 12, and then he models a do ministry in the context of community style. Let me ask you guys a question. Can you be a thriving Christian and not be a part of a local church. I see some head shakes. I see some blank stares. I see some, I don't know, right? I'll tell you in two minutes when you tell me, right? (laughs) Well, let me ask you this. Can you be a thriving basketball athlete and not be a part of a basketball team? Can you be be an orchestra musician and not be a part of an orchestra? The answer is yes, but you'd be a super boring one. I mean, you'd be shooting free throws on your, on your porch, right? And you'd be playing the saxophone in your room, right? But when you're a part of a team, when you're a part of an orchestra, when you're a part of a church, that's the way it's supposed to be. So, so, so Jesus is, is modeling this. He's not going to do ministry on his own. He stops in the beginning of his ministry. He's already got some popularity. He prays all night and he invites some people to be a part of his church community, right? He invites these 12 to be the apostles. And Jesus calls a larger group of people first who have loosely committed to him. He says he, he, he summoned his disciples. This is probably hundreds. And so in your Bibles, you could circle, underline, or highlight where it says disciples in verse 13. This word disciples means learners, 
or apprentices. They're apprentices. They're, they're loosely committed followers. They've been following Jesus everywhere he's going, trying to learn from Jesus. Jesus is the rabbi. They're the followers trying to learn from him. And then 12, he's going to call to take a step from a come and see ministry to a go and serve ministry. They have, they have this come and see. These people are following Jesus because they've heard of him and lots of people are coming out. Crowds of people are coming out to come and see what Jesus is about. And Jesus is going to call 12 of them to start with and he's going to invite them into a go and serve type ministry. From come and see to go and, stir, and go and serve. And so Jesus does not model doing ministry alone. In Luke 4, we see that Jesus knows his purpose. In Luke 5, we see that Jesus has become popular and is drawing large crowds. In verse 5, I mean in chapters 5 and 6, we see that he's displaying the true heart of worship. All right? They don't understand what fasting is about anymore. They don't understand what Sabbath is about anymore. They don't understand what prayer is about anymore. And so Jesus is redirecting them to what these things really mean. And they're all designed to draw near to God, to draw near to God, to the heart of God. They're, 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 he's trying to restore a true heart of worship. And then in Luke 6, we see Jesus chooses 12 whom he will make disciple-making disciples. He calls them from being disciples, followers who are her to come and see, and then he's going to say, go and serve, and what are they going to do? They're going to go make disciples. Jesus makes disciples of 12. What are they going to do? They're going to go make disciples of many, right? So, 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 and he spends three years with them, teaching them what it looks like to make disciples, and then he sends them off, and we see in the book of Acts, and they go plant churches, Right? And they make disciples. And then those people made disciples. And then those people made disciples. And then those people made disciples. And that's what Jesus meant one time when he was talking to his disciples. And he goes, you see what we're doing here, right? You see the things that I'm doing? He goes, but great, you're going to do even greater things than these. What he means is, I'm doing it with you 12. And this is going to be like exponential multiplication. Because you 12 are going to go find four and then find four more, and then find four more, and then they're going to find four more, and then they're going to find four more. And this thing's going to spread all throughout the world because you guys are going to be disciple-making disciples. That's our mission. And they have a unique title called apostles. You can circle, underline, or highlight. In verse 13, he says he named them apostles. This literally means sent ones or representatives or ambassadors. And these men had a unique responsibility in history but what about us? Here's what I would say. At some point, if you're a mature believer, to become a mature believer, you have to step from come and see to go and serve. Jesus is calling all of us at some point in our life. At first, it's good to come and see. I mean, we, we want this to be a church where you can come and see it. And you might be here in the come and see phase, and you're like, I heard about this church or someone invited me and I'm, I'm going to come and see. At some point, it's healthy for you to get involved. I'm, we want you to get involved, not because of any other reason than that's the way Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to grow and mature in your faith. And so Jesus is calling all of us to a come and serve ministry. If you have your bulletins, I want to invite you to do this. I want you just to pull out this little blue card. 
And we're calling it a commitment prayer card. And all this is, you don't have to fill this out if you don't want to, but I'm hoping that it's going to be maybe helpful for you to think through what God might be saying to you this morning or in this season. And, and especially for what does it look like for you to take next steps in your faith? Because Jesus is always calling us to take next steps. And one of the boxes says, I'm, a new, I'm, a, I'm new to the Christian faith. And I want someone to meet with me and help me in this process. That would be helpful for us to know that, right? Because we want to follow up with you and we want to help you. I want to get baptized sometime this year. I want to start giving generously. I want to start serving in ministry. And there's some, there's some info in there. And, and, and you can put your name and your email. And I want to invite you, if this is you, fill this card out. Fill this card out. And if, if there's something else that you just, how can we be praying for you? How can we be praying for and with you? And maybe you just write that in the back. And during worship, I'm going to invite you to fold that up and bring it up and either put it in this box or there's one in the back also. And then tomorrow when we get together to pray at, from 630 to 8, we're going to read these and we're going to pray for you. And if it's something that we can follow up with you, we're going to follow up with you because we want to be a church that is not only inviting people to get more involved, but is helping them get more involved because that is what Jesus modeled for us. So you have these guys getting back to the, pack, the, the passage. Why does Jesus choose these 12? Why does Jesus choose these specific 12? He spends all night praying, and then he comes down and he picks 12 guys that we, none of us would have picked. Right? They, they were not anything special. None of these guys were anything special. They were not guys that, that had nothing better to do. Right? He didn't go like, hey, I got, I got this ministry. It's going to take a lot of extra time. It's going to really take some commitment. Let's find guys who don't have jobs, who, who, who aren't doing anything right now because they have all the time in the world and they can jump on board. No, he finds guys that are busy. They're busy running biz- fishing businesses. They're, they're busy doing stuff. And he, and he redirects them to a greater purpose, to a greater reward. And so what we see here is that Jesus picks these people completely by grace. Jesus picks these people, although we wouldn't have picked them. There's, there's really nothing that you can find in these guys and go, oh, I see why he picked Peter, right? Because he has a foul mouth and, uh, and is cocky, right? I see why Peter picked uh, uh, Simon the Zealot because he's going to keep Matthew in check, right? Because they hate each other, right? I, I, see, why, I see why he picked uh, John and Andrew because they're going to have their mom go ask Jesus, Um, if they can have special favors when they get into heaven, right? That's the kind of guys we want, right? No, it's totally by grace. God picked them and God uses them totally by grace. And what's encouraging, what should be encouraging to us is this. If you're here wondering if you're pick worthy, the answer is no. And God still picks you. God still wants to use you. So we believe in this church that everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a part to play, not because of your background, your history, your resume, but because God loves you and God has a place for you. And I believe for each of us, he spent all night praying and he's going to come down. He's going to pick you. He prayed for you all night and he's going to pick you. And then what does that look like moving forward? Now the worship team come back up. So it's not a... If God is calling you, 
It's not an if God is calling you type thing. It's an what role is God calling each of us to type thing. And then here's the thing we can learn from this passage is when they say yes, how do they get started? Right? Jesus calls them. He says, I want you guys to be in this special ministry. And then how do we see them get started? Do they go away for two years to training? The answer is no. They don't do that. It tells us in the passage, it says, after this, coming down the mountain with them, Jesus began to do ministry. Jesus goes up on the mountain. He goes and finds these disciples. He chooses 12. He lets them know, you're the 12. They come down the mountain with him, and then they get after it. Right? Jesus models, they will receive on-the-job training. That's the third thing in your notes. They're going to receive on-the-job training. Now, here's how Jesus does ministry. And this is something, if you're, if you're a ministry leader, you can learn from this. Jesus models this. He models a, I'll do and you watch type ministry to begin with. Come along with me. They come down the mountain. He's still doing ministry. And Jesus is doing it, and they're right there with him, and they're watching. And then soon after, if you keep going on, even in the book of Luke, you're going to see this switch a little bit. He goes from a, I'll do and you watch ministry to all, let's do it together type ministry. All of a sudden, Jesus is doing ministry and they're watching. And then all of a sudden, he's giving them little tasks to do. Now let's do this together. And then you're going to see Jesus sending them out. And he does a, you do and I'll watch. Right? You do ministry and I'll keep watching you. I'm right here with you. And then eventually, what's he, what's he going to lead to? I'm going back. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And now you're going to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be up, be up in heaven doing something else. So ministry, whenever you're trying to delegate or, 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 or invite someone into ministry or disciple, it's a, a don't just give it to them and then bail. It's, hey, come watch me for a while. I'll do and you watch. And then we'll do it together. And then you'll do it. And I'll watch. And then you'll be ready. You can do it. And I'll go do something else. So Jesus models this type of ministry with these guys. And the thing is that Jesus has the same game plan today. That's what I want us to see this morning. Jesus is still operating under this game plan. The game plan is this. Jesus is still calling ordinary, unqualified people into ministry. Jesus is still calling each of his disciples from come and see. He wants you to come and see. And then he wants you to... He wants you to take this a little next step and, and then go and serve. He wants you to get involved. And what does that look like for each of us? Even myself. What's the next step in my faith? What is God calling me to next? What is God calling me, us, us to in this season? This is, this is what I want this morning to be about. I want us to have come here as if this was a mountaintop And we wanted to meet with God. And I want us just to open ourselves up to God and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? What does it look like in this next season? What's my assignment? What's my part? Because I want to play it. And honestly, some of you guys don't need a new part. I don't want everybody in here to start a new ministry. Right? Some of you guys are too busy. He may may tell you, hey, I want you. I want you to do something else. And so... I want you to start, I want you to find somebody. Find someone else. 
And I want, I want you to invite them to watch you do ministry for a while and then do it together and then let them do it and, and you watch and then you go do. Maybe God's calling you to transition out of your ministry successfully by, by helping someone else learn your ministry. I don't know what God has for each of us, but that's, that's what I want this time to be about. Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.